Hi everyone, Julie here. If you want to hear future episodes before anybody else, join our Patreon, where you'll get episodes three days early, as well as access to Slack and all sorts of other things. You can find us at patreon.com slash podlanderdrunkcast. Thanks for listening. Visit us at podlanderpresents.com to find information on all of our shows. Oh, my nails are too long. Peril. The foley on this show. Top notch. So, Julie, watching any good TV lately? <laughs> yeah. Partially good? Mostly good. Mostly good. Come on. That mostly was, good. Listen, was we were riveted. We were riveted. But then every time I got really riveted and in my mind thought to myself, ooh, this is good, then they'd come and fucking ding-dong the bell, and I'm like, I'm out. Listen, your real problem isn't the bell. Your real problem is the boat. You are boat prejudiced. <sighs> Admit it. I do, and then I saw a boat, too. So what I'm saying is every time I really got into it, they would do one little, like, plop one little thing in there to remind me, no, 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 don't get too invested. Oh, I was pretty invested. You were fucking invested. I was very invested with Tom Christie. Yes. Well, I was very invested with, you know what? Oh, we need and f- with... Killer Jamie. There was there was there's a lot of good. We need a bit. We need a fucking bit. Welcome to Podlander Drunk Cast and Outlander Podcast. I'm Allison. I'm Julie, and we are talking about the season seven premiere of Outlander, um, which obviously we are excited to talk about as we just jumped right in without doing a bit first. I know. Uh, well, listen, you know, three out of five. We no, that's and I'm gonna the, give this one a four out. of five. I know it was yeah. a three out of five joke oh, about for us. us. Um, two out of five. Uh, Inflation. Oh, sure. Um, to, uh, for those of you out there thinking, you don't like the show, we get it. No, I thought this was a really good episode. It was a good episode. I was riveted. We do have qualms. We wouldn't be us if we didn't. And so we are going to talk about them. But lest we get dragged down in the, um, why the fuck did you have to toll that fucking bell of it all? Mm. Uh, I just want to say, Mark Lewis Jones! Um... I I really have few quibbles. It's just their mighty quibbles, um, and really just the just the one. It's the mustache of it all. It's the same. It's the same issue it always is. But mostly, I have so many good things to say about this episode. Casting department, no skips. Every every single person. Like if somebody had three lines in this episode, they were great. They didn't overplay them. Nobody nobody milked it. Like everybody. Just, just killing it. Every single person. Mm-hmm. Nobody was killing it as hard as Mark Lewis Jones. Nope. But well, Jamie, <laughs> <laughs> murder turtle. Um, he he does like to kill. Yeah. Uh, Julie and I were talking before recording, and I'm sort of hoping that at the the beginning of the next episode is is Jamie just lunching at the murder turtle and going, <laughs> and then he jumps and pisses himself, and he's like, "Gotcha," and then walks away. Not really. That would be bad. But um, he's definitely gonna. He's, he's gonna, gonna die. Yeah, he he killed him. He's gonna he's gonna die. But I uh, I do think it was a great episode of Outlander. My quibble is, and I'll let it go after this final statement. Oh no, we're every gonna time dissect. Every time I get so into it, and you put one of those things like the bell in there, her coming out of the fog in there, it immediately removes me from where you got me to. So it takes longer to get me back in sometimes, yeah. and that's kind of frustrating. Well, sometimes. it's. I mean, it's the Virgin Mary in yes. faith, right? Yes. Like it's um, gilding the lily. There's a, an, 
acting maxim that you feel 10 and show seven, mm-hmm. um, or you like feel 10 and show, fi- or you feel 15 and show 15, right? Like you're either going opera or you got to leave some room mm-hmm. in most circumstances. You got to leave just a little room for the audience to feel the thing. Um, and if you leave that gap, we will fill it. Uh, and when they put that extra oomph on it, sometimes it works. Sometimes it's like, yes, let's do, let's do this properly. Give me the sweeping vistas. Let's go full epic. And Outlander does occasionally nail totally. that. Usually Example, with cinematography. T- yes. And um, like Murtaugh dying, right? Like mm, that had no yes. chill and it didn't need chill. No. Um, but a bell timed exactly after that line. Like, I know. It's just... Well, because that w- that's the scene of the episode for me. So I still want to go in order, yes. but let's briefly talk about that scene because I think that scene is a good approximation or a good um, place to start for why this episode is so good and also to talk about our few quibbles. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's... So this is this is the episode where, where Julie finds out um, that, that Tom Christie... Uh, decides to bite the bullet or the noose, I guess. Haven't I been saying this, though, for a while? As a person who hasn't read the books, I'm like, he loves her. There's something, yeah, you could tell. Well, that's because Mark Lewis is very, very good at his job. He's really good, and he underplays things in a way that not everybody on this show always does. Yes. Um... And this show doesn't always call for restraint. Like, this show calls for a lot of extra, um, which doesn't mean there isn't subtle acting. There's some seriously subtle acting. I was reminded, um, I was looking for a gift to include in the Patreon post <laughs> listing the Crowdcast, and um, one of the ones that the internet fed to me was um, Jamie saying, this is wonderful news, mm-hmm. um, which is when Claire is like, uh, Blackjack Randall is still alive, and you see Sam Huon get this. It's really subtle, but he's so excited to kill someone. To, like it's deranged it's like clearly this is a person who very badly needs a therapist he is telling himself it's wonderful news while his entire body is freaking the fuck out right mm-hmm. it's such a good moment or we have obviously i mean we have sung the praises of tobias menzies so many times on the show but there are a lot of very subtle moments that he has um katrina in particular i think is really good at subtly funny moments and she has some of these in this episode too where she's like Mm, tiny really? eye roll yeah like this little guy. tiny <laughs> eyebrow raise head tilt where you can just see her being like it's this guy i have i have learned to bite my tongue a little bit in the book claire doesn't have any filter at all um and and the way katrina plays her it's like she has just a little filter mm-hmm. just enough that you can pretend you didn't see her go oh my god this fucking guy. this guy this guy but it was fine that I was here when you didn't know that I was accused of murder because it was just get this person here to help my wife, my wife. And now that I'm here, <laughs> my wife, <laughs> now that I'm here, you're all like, what, you're a murderer? Get off my boat. But yeah, the scene, Tom Christie, <sighs> subtle. And see, I think it has a little bit to do, a lot to do with that character being so it yes. has to be repressed a repressed, little bit. very internal. So Mark so, Lewis Jones and gets it. You know what's great is you in the little scene before when Jamie walks in and Tom is like, hey, it's you, the answer to my prayers. It's always you. God damn it. You can tell he is drunk without him doing 
anything. Yes. How does? How did he do that? I knew this. I mean, th- some of it is probably the hair, right? Like his hair was disheveled, kind of, right? Disheveled, yeah. But there was something about it where I, you just knew instantly that he was wasted and just really hiding it. Um, so that was really good. And Jamie brings him outside, and then like the way he plays that scene. Do you think he's drunk from the time he loses Claire all the way through to that? No, I think. They find him in a bar the first time, right? When they give him the list. Well, of they find it, but a tavern is like the only thing that people have. I, I mean, I guess true. I would have to go back and check and see what he is drinking. I didn't. I didn't see anything on the table because I was looking for it because I thought he. But was. I read that as liquid courage. Like yeah. he realized what he could do to save this woman's life, the life of the woman he loves. <laughs> I'll tell you what. He sold it. He did. He, he really was sold very, it. Very good. In um, episode. And so he got himself a little wasted because not only was he going to have to die, was he going to have to walk willingly into the arms of a terrible death, um, with a, a conviction for the murder of his daughter, which he did not do, which he clearly did not do. I'm not even gonna. No, come on. He didn't do it. He didn't do that. Um, He's an asshole, but he's not. No, he didn't, he didn't do that. Do that. Um, not only would he have to walk willingly into it, he was also going to have to ask Jamie for help. <laughs> you know, like insult to injury. Mm-hmm. I've got to, I'm, I'm going to willingly volunteer to die and you have to help me? God damn it. And he did it so well without, oh. without any, without pushing, without anything. And then. Well, because he played it. Help. As which as what it was, which is as a man who had already made up his mind, he was at peace. Yes. He was very he knew peaceful. he had a plan. He knew what he wanted. He had made his peace both with his plan and with the idea of dying, and it was not joyful per se, but happy, kind of weirdly content. Like, like yes. he knew he was going to be able to do this one thing to save this one person who talked to him like a person, even when he was an asshole. And who he obviously had a kinship with um, that we saw so effectively in season six. I mean, he and Katrina Belf really played it very well. You could Mm -hmm. see that there was a bond. And it's not a romantic bond, but that there was a meeting of the minds. Yes, something about the two of them that really you can imagine in another timeline – if he had been a physician or something, they would have been colleagues and mm-hmm. friends and he probably still would have had the hots for her. But like you could, there was an accord, there yes. was a bond. Um, and, and so he was just at peace with it. It was so beautiful. A lot of other actors would have played that. Like he had just made up his mind and he was really struggling and he wasn't, there was no, no struggle. We didn't see him make up his mind. We didn't need to. Did we see his mind made up for him when he got the note and it said my husband in Latin or whatever? Like he saw that and was like, oh. Yeah. Maybe. Like I, I love her, but she, the way I love her, she loves this guy. I've got to get him on my side. I've got to. Well, and he probably knew um, Jamie is the Scottish Terminator. <laughs> but the odds of him taking down an entire boat full of British soldiers. Low. Very low. He's, I mean, he could do it, but... <laughs> he would need a lot of help. He would need... And some, people would, would die. Yeah. Well, he doesn't care about that part. So oh, sure much. he does. Well, Jamie cares about, I mean, people on his side. Oh, yeah. You're right. Yeah. You're right. 
Um, but yeah, so Tom Christie was to me the highlight of the oh, entire episode. Easily, he was, he and was I so good. expected that. And um, I just got taken out of that moment, and then had to get back in, which he br- he easily brought me back in on the boat scene. Yes, but we had to go through a little while of like me coming down off the rage. <laughs> Why did you? Okay. But that scene was so good. And Sam was really good in that scene too because him deciding and then him giving the speech of what he would say at his funeral, the eulogy, that was great. It was great. And it was, they showed us just enough of Sam too, right? Mm -hmm. Like they gave us a couple of really good lines and there was, the camera was mostly on Mark Lewis. On that silent, the fucking silent tears. One tear. And that smile, Mm -hmm. that like small smile. Oh, just fucking incredible. So good. Um, when he received the letter, great scene. Uh, obviously the scene with Claire, we will continue to talk about Mark Lewis Jones, but for now let's go back to the beginning. Okay. Um, Julie and I are going to have a brief debate. Mm. Uh, I, I guess mostly agree with you having seen the rest of the episode, but the cold open of this episode is you go ahead, Julie. You no, no, go go ahead. And because I, my, my my response is only one sentence. It's Claire being hanged. Mm -hmm. Um, she steps out onto the gallows. She's got her chic bisexual grief, Bob. (laughs) She is in her look. Um, she is obviously terrified. You see her scanning the crowd for Jamie. She does not see him. And then, and then we see her feet twitch. They do not show her releasing her bowels, which is my biggest qualm. Come on. If you're going to show us Claire being hanged, also show us Claire pissing herself. Well, if they didn't show us her in the bed full it's of hot poop, pass, Claire. they're just not going to show it here. Um, so, so yeah, it's a, it is not a dream. It is revealed that it is not a dream. It is... Uh, Jamie visualizing the worst was my interpretation Mm -hmm. of it. His eyes are closed. He's gearing himself up to go do something profoundly stupid, probably. Um, and very dangerous because he's got to go get his wife. Um, uncle Jamie, uncle Jamie. And then he comes out of it and he's like, "Uh, Ian, hold on a second. I'm picturing my wife dying. Okay. (laughs) Okay. I really have to do this for motivation. Hold on a second. I've just got to, I've got therapy next week. It's fine. I just have to. (laughs) I just have to picture Claire's feet twitching a little bit more. Give me a break. All right. Um, and then, so yeah, so it's a big fake out. Uh, Julie was not amused. I, um, I know that it's not technically a dream, but it functions in the same way as a dream sequence would in that we get to see. Also, I didn't like that they showed it in the previews for the season. Yeah. Okay. So those two things together. We get to see something terrible that we're like, what? And then when the rug gets pulled out from us at the end, when it's like, oh, it didn't really happen. It's just his visualization, his dream, whatever. I just, there are so many shows and movies that use that trope, and I really, really dislike it. That is all. I have, I mean, I mostly agree with you. I feel like it was a little cheap. But Mm -hmm. there are, I have a couple of counterpoints. One, we get a little Jamie voiceover right there, and we so rarely see his perspective that even though it was that was really the only moment in the episode where we did, I still think it's in. Like, if you had asked me what Jamie thinks about when preparing to do something like that, I would not have said he pictures his loved ones dying. But I think that's a really interesting character beat if that's what really happens, right? Like, and it makes his ferocity when he's fighting that much more comprehensible. And when we get to the end of the episode, like that is what he's killed, right? He is 
murdering the murder turtle because of what could have happened. What mm-hmm. he spent the beginning of the episode picturing. His mantra. Yes. <laughs> Because he's got to get into the right headspace, yeah, to kill people. Yeah, so so I think that is I think that is interesting. I think um, it's interesting because essentially, you we see that clip in the teaser for the season, and at least I assumed that what we were headed for, and even having read the books, I still thought maybe they they would have to do this because it's so cinematic. We were headed for. Ian is going to notch a bow and it's going to go through the rope and yep. she's going to fall yep. to the ground. And then yep. there's going to be like, we kick and punch and fight and kick and punch. Yep. Right. Um, and that doesn't happen because that's not the story that gets told because Tom Christie steps in. And mm-hmm. this episode is about Tom Christie stepping in, right? Yes. A life well lost, which is a beautiful episode title. Um, and a really fitting one. So that was where we were headed. And Jamie was going to fail if he was going to murder a whole boat full of Red coats. Yes. So that is where Claire was headed until Tom Christie stepped in, until a life was well lost. So so I appreciate it for that reason. Um, and then my last thing is it made me think a little bit of an occurrence at Owl Creek Bridge, which is a very good short story. And I really hoped that maybe it was going to be like, we flash back, and then, but it wasn't that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I think dramaturgically it makes sense. Um, it just... Maybe not as the open. Like, I don't like it as a fake out. That's my problem. I don't have a problem with showing it, and I am interested in all of the potential reasons why. I just don't like it as a fake out. Mm -hmm. Don't fit. Yeah, come on. Listen, we know Claire doesn't die. Yeah, we all know that. We like. So I guess maybe we should have just assumed that from the beginning. But it still felt like they were faking us out. Well, they were. They were faking us out because I kept waiting for Jamie to interrupt. You're it. right. We You're all right. kept waiting for Jamie to interrupt. Right. And she was looking for Jamie and he was not there. So that is what he was picturing. He was picturing not being there, which is super interesting, but just don't make it a fake out. Yeah. It's been here for years. Sorry. I was like, <laughs> just with my hand. I couldn't stop. Okay. Um, so we open with the fake out and then, then Wean and Jamie are on the run. Um, or on the warpath, I guess. Yeah. Out looking, looking for blood, <laughs> trying to figure out where the fuck Claire went. Um, and then we get to, it's prison next, right? Yes. Okay. The fucking lady prison. And Allison's ready bum, for y'all. Bum, this. Bum, bum, <laughs> da, 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 da. He had it coming. He had it coming. He only had himself to blame. <laughs> if you'd have been there, if you'd have seen it. I bet how you would have done the same. same. <laughs> um, we also went with, during the crowdcast, Pop, Six, Squish, uh-uh, Cicero, Murder Turtle. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, we get a band full of uh, imprisoned ladies, and I wished all of those scenes were longer. I mean, Me too. This episode it's the was, hot piss. It was, it was the hot piss. It's the hot piss, Claire. It's all that good hot piss that we love. Mm-hmm. For those new to the show, hot piss is what we call all of the f- flavor, essentially, which we feel like sometimes in later seasons of Outlander we do not get enough of because they obviously are very intent on getting to the end of the, the, end of the series, which is understandable. But for me... Like, I want Claire... I want Lady Prison. I want Lady Prison. I want um, Claire and Jocasta getting high in, in the, the gazebo. gazebo. <laughs> like, I want... <laughs> a little bit longer. Just I, stretch them out a yeah, little. Yeah, I just want the fl- I want the extras. Uh, the more we get of that, the more invested I am. Mm-hmm. And, and that was true here, right? Like, those... And this is 
again, where the great casting comes in, every single one of those ladies that yes. spoke at all, killer. Mm-hmm. The drunk sheriff's wife, yes. amazing, right? Mrs. Tolliver, uh, Sadie. Sadie Ferguson. Sadie Ferguson, um, who for a while was like, my, I think my favorite moment of hers in a sea of great moments was when she was like, I could uh, get something to drink to perhaps just like my thirst. Just one little cough, right? And then Jamie so comes dry. over and he gives her a coin and she goes, a bit more and I could get a wee drum, eh? And then she goes back to her Cockney accent. Like, can't we? it was very, that's, that's and that was after I had already looked at Julie during the crowdcast and said, Julie, that's us, right? <laughs> like, we're the Sadie, like just hanging out. That was like a, our cameo. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the only part I ever want in any show is to just come in and do two scenes, one day of filming, yeah, knock it out of the park and blow out. Mm-hmm. And she fucking did. Um, also, we didn't even get a name for her, mm-hmm. but um, Made Face, who was spilling the beans across the way, who actually looked kind of like Leary, wasn't Leary, um, but one of the other prisoners whose name we didn't get. She was great. She was great. What I really loved about that scene, and, and when the... When Jamie and Ian came in, and when the two other dudes came in to take Claire away, is those men are coming into a, a space full of women, and the women aren't quite as nervous as they would be if the situation was reversed. Yes. Like, the women definitely are like, what do these guys want? And are very, like, direct with them. I don't know. It's It was a cool kind of flip there and I uh I have I, got some cast information for you here excellent please go um so uh Sadie is played by Sarah Finnegan thank you Sarah Finnegan um who has done oh she's in Upstart Crow which I have been meaning to start um which is the Shakespeare TV series it says Weird Sister um uh, she was in the Merry Wives of Windsor Live from Shakespeare's Globe. Would love to see that. Um, she's done a, a bunch of British TV called The Midwife, um, EastEnders, like everybody else, mm-hmm. The Bletchley Circle, uh, The Borgias. It looks like mostly smallish parts, but Jesus. But that's straight the, killing that's it. That's the life, yeah. man. So Sarah Finnegan, um, our, her name is Margaret, the maid face. Mm-hmm. Uh, Katie Redford. Thank you, Katie um, Redford. She, uh, we've got Ghosted. We've got um, Cold Call Doctors, a bunch of British TV. Thank mm-hmm. you, Katie Redford. And then Mrs. Tolliver, Liza Sadovi. Thank you, Liza um, Sadovi. Who is a pie customer in the Sweeney Todd film adaptation. Uh, sorry about that. um she is also oh we will see her again because she is in an adaptation of emma she plays mrs cole in the 2009 tv adaptation of emma um she's also in disobedience a really excellent movie from 2017 um so way to go liza um all three of you yeah a a plus work um yeah, I really yeah. like those scenes, and I could have done with a, a little bit more, just maybe like one or two more minutes of that life. Because it was weird when we learned that the situation outside with the rebels and the crown fighting stopped all court proceedings. So these women were essentially kind of safe. Like they weren't at home getting their asses beat, or they weren't like out on the street trying to live. They had a, a fucking cot in two squares. Right. So they actually got to kind of weirdly 
relax in there while this was happening, which is such a bizarre way to look at it. Yeah. But they were just essentially locked up, but like laying there because obviously Mrs. Tolliver isn't doing anything. She's letting them be. And the sheriff's always out trying to fight. So it's like this weird little quiet place. Here's the scene that I wish we had gotten. I wanted to see Mrs. Tolliver leave after talking to Jamie, walk out, walk out of her little prison into whatever birth her office whatever to get another bottle of liquor and then go got a little motto i did write that always sees me through (laughs) when you're good to mama Um, Um, uh, claire also paid a shilling for a bottle of uh geneva which is um a very cool uh predecessor to gin i thought that was a nice touch um Anyway, yeah, those scenes, great casting, great costuming, great writing, funny, smart. Um, A lot of that is very faithful to the book. Sadie uh, confessing that she's the murderess, and you're like, Sadie, you're the best. And then it turns out that maybe it was actually... The worst. Yeah. (laughs) But, por que no los dos? Like, Mm -hmm. it was ultimately good for Claire, but also maybe there was also a little... Mama's good (laughs) to you. Really, just really, really cool. I also wish that we had more of those scenes, but instead we got a very dull Brian Rogers subplot. <sighs> now, we are going to say good things about this subplot, which I have no issue with. I just wish it hadn't been in this episode. Or less of it. Less of it, or another episode entirely. Mm-hmm. Because I would not trade float like a butterfly, sting like a bee for, for anything. the world. That was my favorite Roger moment, I think, of the entire series. So I do have to give it props there. That fucking, I had to stand up and walk away. It made me laugh so hard. Thank you. But this subplot doesn't belong in this episode. Yeah, no, yeah. it's, and you, when you think about subplots, usually they, there's got to at least be some reason that they're connected. And I guess it, culpability. I was going to say, maybe it's because in the Brian and Roger side, we're talking about people not, helping or not preventing not taking action action, whereas in the a plot we're looking at tom christie like taking the action right which i get but cool just less well and he is saying that it's that malva's actions were ultimately his responsibility because she was in his care Mm -hmm. so there's that too Uh, it's weird because it's those scenes are really bright and sunny because they're at the shore Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, brain Roger, that is, and they have no idea what's going on. No. And I meant to ask that question. So they had left before, right. They had left the Ridge before Claire got taken in the sin wagon to go to witch town. Every time you say that I, in my head, I do the Dixie chicks. Sin wagon. God, what a good jam. So she, she got taken after they left. So they are completely unaware. Totally oblivious. Right. Okay. So that also is a little bit jarring. I get it, but it takes, yeah. once again, it's something that's taking me out of the thing that you're doing to pull me really hard in. Yeah. And it happened several times, and it just was kind of a frustrating watch because I kept going, uh, uh, Yeah, like, uh, keep, uh. Us, keep us in it. Yeah. Find another home for those things. Or just no, less. Just, I don't even know about less. I think maybe I just wanted super, they are isolated. It is a story that is essentially like, these three characters that we spent a lot of time last season with, and then some people we will probably never see again, mm-hmm. right? Like Governor Martin, Mrs. Martin, we will probably never see them again. Um, Sadie, alas, we will probably <sighs> not see again. Bye, Sadie. But by sticking it, with them, it like was that laser kind of, focus. Kind of a bottle episode, weirdly, even though they had different locations, because it all had to do with Tom Christie uh, 
admitting guilt so that this can end, but these people are all in one story. Like, yeah, that's it. It was a very, it was a tight focus. And I think the episode would have benefited from just yes. being that. However, mm-hmm. float like a butterfly, butterfly sting, sting like, like a bee. bee. Here's a, here's like a cheers. A sting like a bee. Cheers. Also, second place in the, uh, and let's just get all the Brian Roger shit out of the way right mm-hmm. now. Um, second place for reasons to still enjoy that subplot. One is obviously float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. Two is God luck. <laughs> I guess I should say God luck. That is that the was funniest thing that Brie has ever said. That was very funny. You could tell that Sophie Skelton was like, yes, sweet. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> um, it, it was so dumb mm-hmm. and fun. It was cute. It was cute seeing her in her little pregnancy outfit and her braid was really on point. So Roger explained this part to me. Yeah. Roger is now a traveling preacher or was he going to find out whether or not he will become the preacher of this church? He's finishing getting ordained. So I cannot remember how much of this they actually did in the show and how much is just in the book. They talked about it. I remember him working on it last season. In season five, Roger goes off to get Ordain, or at least in that book, he goes off to get ordained and then they have to bring him back um, because of what happens to Claire. Oh no, it's Bree. It's when Bree gets taken. Mm, Roger mm-hmm. is getting, is doing his ministry shit. Mm-hmm. And then Bree gets kidnapped for her weird fucking balls excursion. Like, what? Balls. I just, like, just that, <laughs> that storyline, it just is all summed up as balls now. It's just balls. That's right. <laughs> just balls. Um, because balls on the shelf ball gown lots of balls balls Mm -hmm. um and so he cannot finish his training Mm -hmm. uh so he is completing that process okay and in this case um the person who is going to be ordaining him is taking him to minister to people who are going to be fighting um in this case it seems like men who have been conscripted for committing crimes who will then be fighting for yes. the Brits. Yes. Um, so he's there to offer aid. And um, the minister who is there with him overseeing his ordainment. Um, <laughs> Ordanity. Introduces him to some thieves <laughs> and says uh, he was at the Battle of Alamance. And uh, and Roger, because I don't know if you caught this, but Roger will be good at his job. Because um, bargain basement Christian Bale, <laughs> that is um, what that guy looked like. <laughs> he looked like he had that little hat on. If he and if he had turned it around and it had a little cap on it, he would have uh, damn been the king of New York. Like he was thirty seconds away from singing about papes. Um, <laughs> he was really he was in full newsy mode. That was a newsies reference. Uh, it was a series of newsies references. But he's like, what were you doing waving the white flag of surrender? Which uh, in fact Roger was. He was carrying a white flag. Uh, when he got kidnapped by t- Graham McTavish, and then hung 2.0. by his throat to die, yes, um, and then lost his voice for a really long time. Yeah, and instead of going, you what the fuck did you just say to me? <laughs> you motherfucker! Um, he just said float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. Um, That's him floating like a butterfly and stinging like a bee. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, we got that line because we got a Wendigo Donner sighting. Um, he, the other time traveler that was there when Claire was assaulted. Yes, who was Brown. a part of yes. the Ottertooth gang mm-hmm. um, of uh, people in the 60s who came back to try to avert the ta- Trail of Tears, mm-hmm. which is obviously a very noble pursuit, but, you know, time travel, who the fuck knows. Um, and uh, Got separated and now is just kind of lost and things are happening to him all the time. Well, and he, we last saw him... Mm-hmm. Um, 
in Never My Love. Yes. I won't even go with, into fucking detail. Yeah, with yeah. the group. That we last saw him Claire. not helping Claire. Yes. And the heart of this subplot is, should Roger help Wendigo Donner, even though he did absolutely nothing to help Claire when she was going through this absolutely astonishingly excruciating experience, um, which also involved um, Marsley getting knocked out, um, which in turn set her up to become a murderess. Yes. Because you know what, that guy? He... Yeah had it coming, coming. <laughs> yeah um he really did have it coming uh so he, he, he you know he yeah. makes his excuses i didn't want to die okay we get it it sucks you could have tried you could have tried something as allison said they were in the woods it was at night you could have like released her bonds or whatever and let her help her run or let her escape for a second or something, something. whereas roger couldn't really do that on the boat with Stephen Bond. yeah and that's true so that's reason three to be okay with this subplot is there's a very good um, Richard Rankin monologue where he is telling Bree about being on the ship with Bonnet and being unable to save this baby and her mother and how horrifying it was and he didn't do anything. And it's obviously A, something he's been carrying around for a long time and B, a legitimate point. It's really hard to be a hero when, when you're you, going to die. Yeah, when you're so, going to die. So, um, CC Tom Christie, right? Yep. I just, I just wanted... I just, I would have given pretty much anything for more Mark Lewis Jones. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Because now, unless we go to the hanging, as you talked about right after we finished the crowdcast, unless we go follow him, Tom Christie, on his journey to whatever happens to him, we're never going to see him again. And that makes me sad. We'll have to follow his career. I have to admit, while I would love more of him, this episode felt so complete mm-hmm. that he's I feel goodbye. Like it Is that a wrap? Wrap on Tom Christie? I feel like we don't need to see more. He had that <gasps> they incredible did him, final scene with Claire. They did give him a lot of FaceTime, and it was all very well done. So, Including some excellent reaction shots. And they, uh, director uh, Lisa Clark... Lisa Clark, thank you for putting the close-up on his face, mostly. Um, <laughs> she, let's see. But also the bell. She also directed the next episode. Okay. Um, which is called The Happiest Place on Earth. Those are her, this was her first Outlander episode as okay. a director. Uh, you know what? I think she did a good job. Oh, the- there were a couple shots I loved. There was a beautiful shot of Brie sort of walking off by herself. After she was mad at yes. Roger. Um, yes. But my favorite was Jamie coming into the tavern and this much of Tom Christie's face. Yes. Yeah, that one was really good. Yeah, like uh, sort of out of focus. Oh, so good. That was cool. Um, and Lisa Clark re- really gave Mark Lewis Jones uh, his head to use mm-hmm. the horse terminology, which is now making it sound like some, one of us should say, I've never had any complaints. Um, <laughs> well, I didn't have any him... complaints about it this time. No, Thank you, Mark. I did not. He really killed it. Just really kick the shit out of it um okay so brian rogers side plot we've kind of dealt with it we discussed it it's over yes we did the lady prison we've got jamie and the my wife riding through the fucking forest trying to find her so then some redcoats come strolling into lady prison and they're like which one of you is a doctor and claire's like me that's me that's me i'm the the doctor 
And uh, Sadie says that she's the murderess for selfish or unselfish reasons. Poor Canola's jokes. In that moment, it seems unselfish. It does. Yes. Um, and so they take Claire off, and and uh, and as they were leading her off, I said, Julie, where are they going? Julie, do you know where they're going? Because they were going to, to a, a boat. boat. I'm done with the boats. Um, fog boat. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> it was really fucking foggy. I and can barely see it. It's a fog boat. <laughs> I do know that the fog was part of the plot, actually, because it was about the Fort Jackson or Fort Johnson or whatever the hell it was. Uh, Fort Johnston. Yeah. So the rebels managed to take it from the British in this episode, and it had to do with the fog being so thick. Yeah. Well, and they were also hidden mm-hmm. um, because of the, he had declared the governor Martin had declared martial law because as they talk about in the prison, um, the the people who really have to be worried about being hanged right now are not the merry murderesses of cell block whatever um it is uh anybody who is cooperating with the crown so the sheriff uh the yes. mayors the governors anybody yeah. like that um so they are on a boat the martins are on a boat and mrs martin um who is very pregnant and taking a bunch of weird tonics and apparently expecting to be bled um is is not feeling well she needs some help with her baby and her husband the governor is uh, hiding on the boat because, as we just mentioned, the rebels want to kill him. Yeah. And he's really um, understandably stressed out. But then we find out that they have lost three children. And so there's this great grief around her uh, and him about having children. And so he's very, very invested in making sure she's okay. Mm -hmm. Um, But we find out later that's for reasons of sons are the ones that have died. And there's this weird monologue. Well, not weird. He does it very well. But weird that he talks about his sons. Yeah, let's like, let's talk about her scene because I oh think yeah, it, she was great. The the two of them together do one thing I think is super interesting, mm-hmm. which is they are both deeply sympathetic and they suck yes. at the same time. Yes. Outlander has not always been great about humanizing the people who suck. Um, sometimes it has. Right, like, but both of them certainly in season one, right? A lot of people in season one really suck, but are also awesome. Mm-hmm. See, Galus Duncan, mm-hmm. um, who sucks and also rules mm-hmm. <laughs> more. Galus always please, mm-hmm. um, but in this case, they are just the worst. But also, Claire can be sympathetic at the same time. So you see her in her scenes with both of those people, being like, "Yeah, yeah, mm, uh, okay, this fucking guy." I'm I so know what it's like to lose a child. Children. Yes. I'm I know so what it's sorry. like to use. We're going to, you don't need to freak out. We're going to get you some ginger tea. Stop drinking this snake oil, yes, <laughs> whatever the fuck bullshit. this is. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I'm not going to bleed you. Haven't you read my newsletter? <laughs> um, <laughs> let's, uh, let's get you all pregnanted up and yeah, sure. I'll help you have your baby. Just please don't tell your husband I'm a murderess. And then fucking Mayor McCheese comes in and what a dick. Donald McDonald. I don't know if you remember the fact that his name is Donald. No, I'm going to call him Mayor McCheese. He is the, um, the son of a bitch who strong armed Jamie into being an Indian agent. Um, and then he just kind of just outs Claire as, Oh yeah. yeah, Well, he's he's mad. He's just a turd. Um, he's a turd. He is, uh, Scottish, but you know, offside. Um, <laughs> and, uh, he has a stupid face. 
Yeah, he's he's and a he's turd. there just like lobbing bricks at Claire, who is just like, "Would you shut the fuck up? What is wrong with you? Why are you such a turd? Oh God, <laughs> this fucking guy! Um, at least the governor, he may have some judgment issues, but even he knows that that dude sucks. Yeah, it's true. Um, so after we get our great scene with Mrs. Martin, our next glimpse of boat life is Claire talking to the governor um, about how uh, maybe he should take some precautions um, because they're going to lose the fort. And then she also is like, can I please go to shore and buy some um, remedies? Mm -hmm. He's like, do you think I'm fucking stupid? Uh, And she's like, tried it. (laughs) I had to. Come on, I had to. Come on. Um, Instead, he says she can send a letter with Tate, or whoever the fuck. Who also did a great job. And Claire does something very smart in the history of the show most of the time claire miscalculates a right? little bit. she's a brilliant woman who when it comes to self-preservation sometimes misses by this much yes yeah um which has turned out okay for her because her husband is the scottish terminator but in this case she writes a letter to tom christie and says he is the only person who can get these things she writes a list of things that he needs to get knowing that he has promised to help her. And one of them is, uh, I can't remember. Did you write down what it said exactly? Vin Muse. And we're like, what's that? Is and that, I was like, is, is that it, an herb? Well, I thought it might be some kind of wine. I was worried. The, the look on his face, I was worried it was poison. <laughs> well, to him, it kind of was. Because his reaction, oh God, he's so good. See? His reaction was like, Oh, uh, of course. Oh, is she really going to murder those people is what I thought. I thought it was, of course, the thing she asked for is her husband. Here mm. he is again. Right. Well, mm-hmm. and that is what it's revealed that it is, right? Mm-hmm. So she was cleverly asking Tom to say, here are things I desperately need on this boat. And one of them is my husband. Um, so he goes to find Jamie and says, I know where your wife is. And Jamie immediately heads out. Onto a fucking boat, into the fog, into the fog. Comes on stage, stage, comes aboard, on stage. Smooches her. It's a great on-screen smooch. Yes. Well, we're happy to see them together again. Yes. Um, And then Tate, or whatever the fuck his name is, is like, that's not allowed. (laughs) No touching. Get a room. (laughs) Uh, And Jamie goes to see the governor. He's like, you suck. You, your wife might be a murderess, but you know what's even worse? You might be a rebel. Traitor. And Jamie, you can see Jamie really trying this entire scene to quell his rage and yes. get back to a diplomatic face. You can see it every time that he stopped. He has this moment where he looks down and kind of like relaxes mm-hmm. into it and then charm comes back. Oh, yeah. Like he's he's working real hard not to just launch himself across this desk and throttle this man until he's a lifeless puppet. He in is his hands. much better at hiding that shit than Claire is. Mm-hmm. You can see him go like there's some good jacting. The best yes, jacting is still to come. Oh yeah. But there's some good jacking. Some actual shady jacking. And yeah. when I say shady, I mean a literal shade. <laughs> uh, I'm happy to report that Sam Hewen has continued to attend the Tobias Menzies School of Jacting in mm-hmm. the off-season. Uh, and he's he, doing really well. He's also got um, a vein twitch situation. Like, you can see his eye go like, murder, murder! Yeah. <laughs> and then he doesn't. He resists <laughs> the urge to murder and gives a very courtly little bow. 
yes, sir. When the governor says, okay, here's the deal, bro. I will let your wife go if you go back to your little ridge and round up 200 men and come on back and report for duty to that asshole. Once you do that, sure, you can have your fucking wife. When he says report to Mayor McDonald, you can see Jamie go, Ugh. Ugh. Totally. <laughs> just like a barf sound in his throat. Like You know he's it. bad at his job, right? Yeah, you know he stinks. So Jamie's like, all right, Claire, I love you. Here's one last kiss. I'll be back in the morning. Yeah. Please wait for me. And so he's already decided he's just going to go on his magical journey to get the beans and the fucking... <laughs> magic wand or whatever he has to bring back to the <laughs> to wizard. To go to the festival. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so he's thinking about it, but he knows he's got to get my wife my off wife. that boat. So he's already made up his mind to boat break. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. You can see he's like, okay, yes, I'll go get 200 mm-hmm. soldiers. Um, I'll be back tonight when it's dark outside. Give me 15 minutes. I'm going to find five people willing to murder for me. I will I'll be kill back. you all. <laughs> exactly. Like you see him go through that. And listen, if anybody could murder a boat full of British guys, it would be Jamie. The plague. Um, (laughs) Dysentery. It would be dysentery. It would be poop water. But if it's not going to be poop water, it's going to be Jamie Fraser. Um, So he is all ready to like meet up, huddle with Ian, do some, do a murder huddle. But then he runs into Tom Christie and that's when Tom Christie's like, I know where she is. God, that fucking scene. Mm-hmm. I think it's one of my favorite scenes in the history of the show. Mm-hmm. Like, I really, truly do. It's, oh, the drunk scene. Yeah, when he comes in to on tell the porch. Him, right, yes. Uh, when they go out to yes. the porch and yes. he is telling him what he's decided. It's For me, it's right up there with um, Claire and Malva talking, and then Malva turns around and her oh, mask yeah. is, but, like, it's it's that. It's um, very, very good Or, acting. like, um, Katrina and Madame Hildegard in Faith. Or there some other like really re- or this is wonderful news is a really fucking good scene. Um, there are some excellent or Tobias Menzies yelling Claire <laughs> or <laughs> just a personal favorite. Um, that poor Natty gentleman. <laughs> he just wanted to drive home. Uh, he was so well dressed. Yes, he was. <laughs> he had to deal with this crazy lady. So we talked at length about him. That scene is great. Basically, he just says, "I'm going to go tell." The governor that I did it, that and, I murdered her. And Jamie says, like, hell you are. And he's like, no, seriously, I am. And Jamie, recognizing a stubborn asshole when he sees one, he's like, All right, like buddy. listen, I know what it's like to want to die for my wife. If you're going to do it, you're going to do it. Can't stop you. But let me give you this sweet-ass eulogy first, <sighs> which is so sweet. It is very sweet. And that's when I was like, isn't it great that they're leaving the camera on Tom Christie's face, mm-hmm. which was amazing. So then we get yeah, Tom good Christie job, Lisa. going to the boat. Yes. And then we get the scene between Tom, Christine, and Claire, which is also very, very good. But However. Here, here are some questions. Yes. He didn't do it. I mean, I guess we're supposed to wonder, but no, he didn't Tom fucking Christie do it. Tom Christie did not murder Malva Well, Christie. because you know what? That decision was not motivated out of being like, well, I did it, and I was just hoping she would get off, and then if she didn't, then I would confess. No. No. That was a, that was a choice made from love, not from truth. Yeah. And there... He would have known if he did that, that suspicion would have landed on Claire. Just generally speaking, he knows what Claire is about. Tom Christie does. And he knows that something like that shit goes down on that ridge. Everybody's going to be looking at the witch. Well, and if he had done it, he... He didn't do it. He would have had a different reaction. He would have been prepared with some other sort of reaction. He didn't do it. He didn't fucking do it. So he has made the choice. And Claire is um, not happy about that. 
but she understands that he is not going to change his mind. And then he says, I love you. And she's like, cool, bro. There's, it's. Why do you say it? The lead up to it is so good. He didn't it's have this, to say I it. have, I've, I've been searching for something, waiting for something, something, hoping for something, I think is the word he finally lands on my whole life. And I thought it was the love of God, but the love of God alone has not been enough to sustain me. And then I met you and he didn't need to fucking say, I love you. He didn't, he, he didn't. didn't need to say it. And he said it beautifully. Yes. It was, I mean, he didn't it, it was an to. excellent scene, but he didn't like we, Mark Lewis Jones has already told us that he told us a, a hundred times. Yes. We have he known this since us, last season. Yeah. He showed us that last season and especially in the finale, right? Mm. This like devastated, resigned, um, fearful and, and the knowledge that like the very best thing that he could do for Claire is just make sure to know where she is when Jamie gets his murder band together. Yes. Right. Like he knew what was going on, um, and just wanted to keep her alive. Uh, so we already knew. So he didn't need, he didn't need to say it. I mean, maybe he needed to say it to Claire, but before I don't he dies, think, maybe, but I think even the text before that, it was already implied. He, yes, I think we knew. He could have said the love of God alone wasn't enough to sustain me and then not said, and then skip to the next thing, yeah. right? Whatever, he let Claire know. Maybe but he just wanted to also, unburden himself. the line near the end when he says, um, I've been looking, I've wanting my whole life to be worthy of love, something like that, allow me to do this for one who is, mm-hmm. for someone who is worthy of love, which she is. Um, so Wouldn't just, that have been enough? Yeah. yeah. And it's more interesting writing and, and I'm just a sucker for leaving things unsaid in general. Right. Um, but he sold it. Yeah. And could, and Claire's like, cool, bro. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. I don't know how to react to this. Because I'm trapped I feel on a like, boat. I feel like, um, my life love depends you, on this. So I'm going to, die for you is, is kind of a lot coming on strong could we talk about this back at the bar <laughs> like um i'm married uh... so claire gets off the boat in a most spectacular way by coming through the fog like ursula <laughs> too much on the prow of the boat it was just this much too much you guys just this come on fine whatever claire and jamie are reunited we're she all looks happy be- i mean she looks beautiful we're all happy they are laying in bed together trying to process the events which are vast and very traumatic and they're kind of trying to work it out and you can see this little tick that jamie has with this little finger like there's something it's his murder finger yep this is murder finger oh we skipped uh, we skipped a thing we should go back what? real briefly because I, this is actually sort of in line with the governor and his wife being oh, yeah. great and also sucking. Not being great, being sympathetic and also sucking. One of the things I loved about that Tom Christie scene is he still says some horse shit, right? Like, oh yeah. he. My this son. isn't all of a sudden a completely heroic figure. He says, like he- Her wiles. Yeah, using her wiles or she, bring another witch into this world and she mm-hmm. would have, and it's all in the context of him telling Claire he did it, which we know he didn't. And I- whether or not she is supposed to believe he did it, she doesn't really. Um, but he is using things that you can tell he believes are true yeah. to justify it. And that's another moment of of Katrina giving us like, this is an emotionally fraught conversation. This but guy. also, you are so full of shit. And like, I roll. What the fuck? This guy. Like, your wife sounds cool. And then he's like, and then she murdered my brother. And, and she, you can see like, her go, okay, oh, not so cool. Oh, not so cool. Well, 
Okay, so more of a Gayless Duncan figure. Um, <laughs> did she have red hair? Um, <laughs> so, so that I think is interesting, as it's and he's using it to justify it. So it's bullshit, but also it's bullshit because he also thinks it's true, mm. and 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 it is true. She did try to kill them, and. The, on the flip side, the governor talking about his three beautiful sons that died, exactly. but, but his yes. daughters still live. And it's like, fucking bring it down a notch, fellas. Yes. Also, if you murdered this girl, that would be one thing. But if your husband is a rebel, that's another. Yeah, gross. Like, uh, so it's another instance of people sucking, but also being sympathetic. And in this case, Tom Christie doing something selfless uh, but also still being full of shit so they're discussing whether or not he did it claire and jamie laying in bed later Mm -hmm. and neither one of them are truly satisfied because you can tell that neither one of them believe that tom christie did it but you see this is where we see the little murder finger twitching the murder fingy just like just Mm -hmm. a little tap you can tell that there's it's like a divining rod where's the closest murder i've got to find water in the ground and or someone can i kill so we know that there's something stewing in old red top <laughs> and i turned to allison and i was like oh he's about to kill brown and yeah. then boom, there it is he just shows up in the corner so sometimes there's this um, i can't believe you just brought the quad city day djs into this i did i did okay so there's this line from the, I'm, I'm about to go way far afield here, great but you're gonna love it Does on anyone, this show yeah does anyone remember the Drew Carey show? Yes. Okay. Do you remember the yes. actress that played? Yes. What's his name? Craig Ferguson's mother, the owner of the station, I guess. Yes. And she was kind of weird and like, she would always make weirdly sexual jokes, but she's like this rich older woman that kind of does whatever she wants. Mm-hmm. And there was this one scene, I can't even remember the setup, but it ended with her saying, all you'll see is the glowing coal of my cigarette in the corner. <laughs> And I use that all the time because there's this feeling about it where like you walk into a room and you're completely oblivious to somebody hiding there and you're just like doing whatever and you turn around and there they are. And that's what Jamie does. Oh, it's the horror movie reveal, right? Like it's when the hit man of his face, it's like it's at the beginning of action movies. It's one of those shots where somebody enters a dark room and then there's a voice and they turn around and he's in the corner and he's still, he's ready. He's just there to do some murder. And they didn't even try to make it. No. That was like, Jamie is a straight up nightmare figure. Yes. And he's still hot, but he is there to murder. Mm-hmm. He's there to murder and small talk. And he's all about to small talk. <laughs> right? Like, he just, I'm here, I, I'm here to do two things, murder and wear a kilt and you won't let me wear my kilt. Um, <laughs> So he's he is there to do a murder. Yes. And uh, uh, Maggie Smith Jr. Hold on. We can all agree His that Murder Turtle fucking had it coming. Chris Larkin. Um, Chris Larkin is very good in this scene because you see the him second void he his bowels twice. Yeah, both times you can see it just like what? No, but you're a but you're a good man. Like, but you're a good man. No, which, I'm not. Yes. But I'm also a violent man. Because <laughs> he would go, uh, uh, but no, because I've been counting on the fact that you're like, I'm not a good man, but you are. So that means I get to be, but I'm the, 
but but what about my family? I'm the bad one. You're the good one, which means I get to do all the bad things to you and you won't do anything about it because you're good. Because that is how shitty people use Mm -hmm. the integrity of others against them. And Jamie's like, oh, funny thing. I left my integrity in Scotland. (laughs) Right? Like, no, it's not true. Jamie has a lot of integrity. He also is a violent man. Mm -hmm. Um, So he just kills him. Presumably. Yes. I mean, I guess we'll find out. But with our last shot, it's... I thought the first time we watched it that it was he comes to the camera and that's how it goes black, but it's not. We briefly switched to him. over his shoulder mm-hmm. and we see Murder Turtle flinch away. Um, like, like he's trying to hide. He's trying he's to trying get to, in that he's shell. He's trying to duck and cover. He's trying to get in the <laughs> shell, man. Uh, but your shell's not going to save you. Too late. I enjoy turtle soup. <laughs> Fucking Jamie is that the Goodyear tire reference. coming for your shell. He buddy. is. Ooh. He is. Kool-Aiding man. Kool-Aiding. Kool-Aid manning. Oh, yeah! <laughs> Into that shell. I, I have to say that since we've decided and have noticed that obviously Jamie is a very powerful person who in some ways enjoys certain parts of his power. And the older he gets, maybe the easier it is to just fall back on things. But I do like to see the fact that he kind of, he knows he's good at it. He knows he's good at it. He knows he's good at intimidating somebody. He knows he's physically capable of doing it because he's done it many times. Mm. And I don't think he enjoys it. He might enjoy it with this person. I don't think enjoy is the right word. I think it's righteous anger. I think it's that he promised Claire the protection of his body. Mm -hmm. And that is part of what that means. Mm -hmm. Like he is going to keep her safe no matter what. And this guy has already proven that that he's going to keep coming. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He thinks he's the American Terminator, but he's not. No, no. You, and you'll never be. (laughs) Yeah. Not even, listen, no one is taking your dead body to whatever the fuck corporation. Nope. Sky tech. Sky tech. Thank you. Mm -hmm. You are just dead, sir. (laughs) Yeah. You're dead. Nobody, nobody's Robocop in your ass. Okay. So, there is not a barrel of creme de menthe to hand. So mm. how are they hiding this body? All right. So they're in town, right? Yeah. Oh, also, Jamie knows he's there because he knows his horse flesh. Because he sees his horse. horse. That's how he recognized it. That's so right. So he knows he's around. Uh, and he also tells him that Ian is going to go kill his whole family. <laughs> yeah, that whole thing. I can't decide whether or not that was true, but you know what? I don't know. Maybe it'll just be, I don't know where he went. It's yeah, so that's weird. what I'm saying. How do they hide? You're right. How do they hide the body? I town? bet it's, it's got to be a boat situation. He doesn't leave loose ends. No. Jamie does not leave it's loose gotta ends. It's got to be. Well, except in one instance. And that was when the house caught fire with what's his name in it that he had just killed. The Over the map. The Oh. Yeah. Yeah. But there was a fire, so maybe there were no loose ends. Maybe yeah. it just looked like he burned up. But I think uh maybe a pig is going to come into it or the ocean is going to come into it those are my two guesses since they're so close to the ocean i'm hoping for they cut open the mattress pull apart the straw or feathers or whatever the fuck is in there and just kind of stick them in there what and then sew it back together and then cover it and then nobody notices because all the mattresses back then were super lumpy so it's like like two weeks before anyone is like why does it smell like dead body in here yeah um I think you, uh, maybe they're going to stage it to make it look like somebody else. Maybe. Maybe they're going to make it look like it was the rebels. Maybe they're going to make it look like he did it himself. Jamie knows that gun is there. 
maybe oh that guy's getting stabbed that's a dark situation mm-hmm. um let me get out one of my murder tools <laughs> hold on i got my utility belt <laughs> let's see what kind of What's weaponry in my i have sporin? in my sporin? <laughs> I got a dirk, I got a knife, a big knife, I got a gun, I got some poison. How would you like me to murder you by <laughs> shoving my fist up your ass till it comes out your throat? No? Okay, knife it is. Um, <laughs> he had it coming. He did have he it He had it coming. Yeah. He only, only had, had him himself to blame. To blame. <laughs> if you'd have been there, if you'd have seen it, I bet you you would have done the same. I think I would have. You know what? If I had the opportunity, that guy... That guy... I don't, I don't think I could murder somebody, um, but that's a real, um, oh no, kind of situation. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh no, did somebody terrible die? A fucking bad person. Oh, who the fuck died last week where I was like, oh no, how sad. Oh, I don't remember. Pat Robertson? Oh yeah. Oh no. Yeah. How sad. Oh no. Um, so yeah. No doing it. Costumes were really good, though. Oh, yeah. We have to do our scales. It's been so long. Mm-hmm. It's been a while. Um, yeah. Let's do our scales, and we'll talk about the preview. So, doing it scale. Zero. That's a zero. Yeah. They do lay in the bed. But that's not... do. That's more like... It is intimate, though. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. it's sharing. But it's not doing it. But it's it is at least intimate. And there was... You know what? I'm not going to say zero. Because we've seen a lot of Claire and Jamie kisses, and that one... It was a good one. It was really good. It felt honest. Sometimes those kisses like veer into romance novel territory and it was very romantic, but it was like, I thought I might not see you again. And the whole world disappears. And then all of a sudden you're like, no kissing the prisoner. Get a room. Right. (laughs) Um, I've got one. I could lock you in. (laughs) Yeah. Wait. And all you'll see is the glowing coal of my cigarette in the corner. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Um, so I guess. I I would say it's like a like a two. Uh, are we still doing it? Are we still giving them movies? I guess so. Mm. So like um like a batteries not included <laughs> because they do feel young, but it's still like 90, 90 year old people kissing. Yeah, I'm gonna say no. That's good. Okay. All right. Uh, scale number two. Let's do costuming. I thought the costumes were good in this episode. I'll say it again. Anything in the colonies so far is going to be kind of like one note to me, even though the details are really, really good. In this particular episode, though, I loved the gal prison yes. outfits. Yeah. Uh, the women in prison, in jail, I mean, they there was just something about the kind of palette that they all kind of matched even though they weren't wearing uh-huh. the sa- a uniform or yes. anything and the details of like the hair ties and the uh the makeup was really good too. and that like the things that they would have in this cold kind of yeah. dank situation where they also had to do chores all the time they look they all looked like they get a small basin of water to wash themselves a day yes like they all looked like they had recently cleaned their extremely dirty faces mm-hmm and that they were already getting dirty again. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So the makeup was really good too. How would you deal with the small basin? If you only got it once a day, would you clean the pits and bits every day? Or would you clean face one day, feet one day, pits and bits every other day? Like, what? how would you do? I don't know. Do I have moisturizer? 
<laughs> no. Okay. You have your own skin's oils because you won't be washing everything all the time because you only have a tiny little bowl. Yeah. So I would splash water in my face every day no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um, and probably do the back of the neck because mm-hmm. the sticky back there is bad. And then pits every day and bits intermittently because what are you going to fucking do? Yeah. Like, that's going to be farmyard shit no matter what you do. Yeah, and that's going to be under a skirt because yeah. you've all got skirts on. So I would definitely pay attention to the pits. And it's a self-cleaning oven. Like, yes. it doesn't mean that... Pits and face. Pits and face would be my top priority. Mm-hmm. And maybe under boob sometimes. Under boob. Under boob if it's hot. But it seems like it's kind of cold and clammy, which is, ew, even worse. Yes. Yuck. So cold okay. sweats are the worst. Um, Costumes in Lady Jail, top notch. Yes. They all looked like they were about to burst into Master of the House. Yes. Like, yes. comforter, philosopher, and lifelong shit. God, we're really heavy on the music theater jokes today. Well, this episode gave us several ways to go there. Uh, you know what? They're also they all also look like they're about to eat the worst pies in London uh, tonight. Yep. I'm going to Shay Amelia Bazell with Scotty to introduce Amelia to Sweeney Todd. I'm very excited. I cannot believe Amelia has never seen Sweeney Todd. She had to um, when we were doing the Miss Congeniality Redacted side quest. Who cares? Um, I was like, should I? Oh no, she said something. There's the Sweeney Todd back here line, right? She was like, you should insert a Sweeney Todd joke here. But I don't know Sweeney Todd, so they'll be all over my head. I was like, what the fuck? You don't? It's time. Yeah, it and is And don't time. worry, we're not going to watch the movie. No. We might watch the great performances with Angela. That's the one. But we might just listen to it. Because I'm a big proponent of going back to dorm life and like popping an edible and getting a pillow just the and, album. Just, and just listen. The cast recording. And you just attend the tales, Sweeney Todd. Oh my God. The um, demon bobber of Fleet Street. <laughs> Okay, so um, those costumes were great. We had seen that costume of Claire's before, obviously, but it remains an absolute banger. Mm-hmm. The like utility, slight masculine tailoring, utility, and, and and Brianna too. Utility, but nice. Yes, yeah. And that's why I was like, the governor's wife had to clock that shit when she came in, and she talks about it. But you were right; it should have been with the voice. But yeah, the ac- and you can see her react to like, that posh. Accent. Uh, that's why I think maybe the governor's wife is being shitty to Claire not because she actually thinks she's not capable, but because it's a power thing. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, because you can see her clock the accent immediately mm-hmm. when she's like, oh, money. Mm-hmm. Posh. And then the um, the governor had that really cool coat. Yes, the coat with the leaves on it. Yeah, that was nice. Um, it was really beautiful. Jamie and Tom Christie wearing much the same shit. Ian's costume remains stellar. And then we saw some red coat shit, which we're going to see a lot of this season, so whatever. Yeah. Why does Mayor McCheese have the big neck plate? That is a gorget. That gorget. Is a, Why does a, he have a gorget? Well, it's because he's an officer. Let me see if I can... Officer... Dennis, not the delete key. Officer... Gorget. Gorget. I only know that because of reading the books. Licks. I'm a little... Uh, during the 18th and 19th centuries, crescent-shaped gorgets... Oh, well... Hold on. Uh, later, and particularly the eight, blah, blah, the term later described a steel or leather collar to protect the throat, a set of pieces of plate armor, or a single piece of plate armor hanging from the neck and covering the throat and chest. Later, particularly from the 18th century, the gorget became primarily ornamental, serving as a symbolic accessory on military uniforms, a use which has survived in some armies. And let me see if I can find the British. So it's drag. Um, it's an officer thing. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, during the 18th and 19th centuries, crescent-shaped gorgets of silver or silver gilt were worn by officers in most European armies as a badge of rank and an indication that they were on duty. These last survivals of armor were much smaller than their medieval predecessors and were suspended by chains or ribbons. In the British service, they carried the royal card of arms until 1796 and thereafter the royal cipher. Um, so it's basically, I'm, I'm an, an officer. officer. Yeah. And I'm working. Excuse mm. me, I'm working. I'm working. I'm a professional <laughs> pro. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's a. We're gonna see a lot of that shit though. We are. Yeah. Uh, but I, the details are good. They're very pretty. They're just not as interesting. Because yeah. it's all the same. So, what's the costume pick for you for the episode? If you had to pick one, the ladies in jail. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that shit. And then, so uh, what's our uh, golden pample moose? Oh, fucking Hold joy. On. I'm trying to see, uh, one of my favorite skills is seeing how much of random segments from Lame is I can remember from having listened to it 800 times as a child. Uh, from the little brain, regular Voltaire thinks he's quite a lover, but there's not much there. <laughs> um, golden so, Pamplemousse. Golden, oh no, the beer scale. Pamplemousse is last. Oh, okay. Beer scale, the, mm, anytime Brie and Roger are on screen. I would have, uh, you know, we watched with Janine and he actually got up to get a beer, but no, to pee, but mm-hmm. I cannot remember what scene it was in. Um, but thing. he wished he hadn't gotten up. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I think you could slip away and have a pee or grab a beer during the Brie and Roger stuff. But I mean, we were pretty, ri- we Hopefully, stopped taking notes, which yes. is usually a pretty good indication. Hopefully you wouldn't get up to pee or get a drink when he said float like a butterfly sting like a beer, <laughs> because that was really the only, that, that moment. It's been a while since Julie um, got out of her seat that watching an episode of Outlander. So hard. And there's well, been there's been good shit since then, but it's really it's a it's an um, it's like an audacity. Yes. It's, right. Yes. So like oral if, sex. If it had been Yellow Submarine, which I gather it is in the books, I would not have stood up and run away. It was very funny. It was an excellent choice. Well, by and passing it off as a proverb. Yes. Come on. Like really funny. Come on. And and Richard Rankin delivered it really well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I could have gotten up to get a beer. Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. Golden Pable Moose Doy. Yeah. Like Mark Lewis Jones. Forever. Forever, ever, ever. Look, Katrina, Sam, they both did great. great. They always do great. They are our eternal Pample Moose, but this episode this doesn't episode work without him being that good. Had to be, he really was and shouldering. This the is an episode weight. that was written for an actor of that quality. Mm-hmm. If if he had not been that good, it wouldn't have worked at all. You would have mm-hmm. had to go way more obvious. Yeah, um, which is why they should have cut the "I love you." Mm-hmm. But God, he's really fucking good. Yeah, he is. Um, you know, it made me want to dive more into his filmography. Okay. Uh, so I went ahead, I was looking at his bio, but let's go to his IMDb, because there are some things in here that are going to surprise you, mm. I think. Um, One thing that will not surprise me, because I remember this, is that he played the guy that taught Prince Charles Welsh in The Crown. Yes, and he's He was great. so good. He great. was so good in that. Um, yes, I also remembered that. So he is in a movie... That I have been thinking about watching um, because Mark Rylance is in it called The Phantom of the Open, um, like a mm. golf comedy, um, like a British old guy's golf comedy. One of those. Okay. Well, maybe we'll get high and watch it sometime. I you know would, what? Bonus yeah. episode. I would watch that. Okay. Um, he's done a lot of Welsh things. Mm-hmm. Um, Munich, The Edge of War. Um, but more British TV. I want to get to the thing that I 
saw specifically in his bio. Um, he did five episodes of Gangs of London, okay. which I've been meaning to watch. That one excellent episode of The Crown. Um, oh, he's in Carnival Row, which now I'm going to have to go back and watch some of that terrible but also hilarious show again. What is it? Carnival Row is the Oliver... Bl- Oliver Twist? No. No, what the fuck is his name? Orlando Bloom. God. It's Orlando Bloom is a fairy? What? The TV series? Oh, my God. We're watching the trailer after this. Um, it's uh, Orlando what? Bloom and Cara Delevingne. And they're like, it's like steampunk fairies in London shit. Um, it is not good, and I enjoyed the hell out that of sounds it. sounds terrible. Julie, it's a hoot. Ooh. It's not good, but it's a hoot. Uh, it's great trash TV. Okay. Um, and there are a bunch of excellent character actors. Anyway, he in is in five episodes of that, so I will have to go back. He is in two episodes of Chernobyl. Mm. Um, he plays General Pikalov. Uh, he is in, this is the one I wanted to know. So he's in The Last Jedi. He plays Captain Kennedy. Kennedy. Now I have to go back and see who the fuck that is, because good for him. Make that Star Wars money. Um... The Lighthouse, he did a voice in the He's in Witcher. the Lighthouse? Isn't that the weird one with Robert Pattinson and... Uh... I think maybe this is a different Lighthouse. Okay. Yeah, it sure is. Um, but he is a lead in it. He's right on the movie. I, I wonder mean, the poster. if it's... Uh, I don't... Neil, I think Neil watched that movie. The It's not the same one. Okay, it's a different one. Yeah, it's a different okay. one. Okay. Um, fa- he did an episode of Father Brown. I bet that's a delight. Uh, anything else good? I mean, like, this is a man with a long... He's a jobber. He's very busy. Mm-hmm. Um, he's done a bunch of voices in the Witcher video game. Somebody give him a role in the Witcher proper. Give him that, give him the Netflix money. The other Boleyn girl. Um, murder prevention. Oh, he's in Master and Commander, The Far Side of the World. I hated that movie. Oh my God. I think Neil just watched that last year. Mr. Hogg, comma, Whaler. <laughs> That's what it says. <laughs> Um, Jason and the Argonauts, uh, his first credit, 1985, Morons from Outer Space. Nice. He plays Godfrey. All right. Well, Mark Lewis Jones, thank you Probably so much. Probably a wrap on him. Yeah. Really well done. Thank he you. He officially goes in the, if for some reason they come up with an excuse to show you in a flashback, flashback or, or whatever, like a weird dream sequence or something, I would be all about it. Like mm-hmm. the Tobias Menzies, um, Lottie Verbeek category. Mm-hmm. Like, please bring them back any fucking time. And that Badland, when are we getting Mrs. Fitz in some sort of vision is what yes. I want to know. Um, or also, Ned. Shout out to her Ned Gowan. for killing it in a couple of excellent scenes in the final season of Ted Lasso. Oh yeah. Yes. Annette Ned Badley. Gowan. More Ned Gowan, please. Yeah. Let's just see Bill what Patterson. he's up to. Yeah. Um, anyway, Mark Lewis Jones, top Thank notch. You. One of my favorite performances of the series mm-hmm. between him and Jessica Reynolds, a storyline that I was outright dreading. Turned out to be pretty good. Turned out to be one of the best, one of mm-hmm. the most interesting that the show has ever done. Mm-hmm. So that's it, folks. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Here we are, season seven. Do we're we want to briefly talk about the preview for next week? Oh, yeah, sure. So what did we see? We saw... Um, Willie. Willie, Willie, Willie won't <laughs> go, go home. home. Um, we saw Willie. We saw... What the fuck is his name? Um, oh, we saw Coinface. Creepy Brother. We saw Coinface. We saw Creepy Brother. 
Oh, Alan. Alan. Yes, we saw Alan. He's the killer, right? He did I'm it. not saying shit. It's him. I'm not he saying shit. He fucking did it. Not only did he get it her pregnant. It was the white sow. I would like to say this. Finding out that Malva was not blood related to either one of them was well, weird. Mm, no, he's she's blood related because it was his brother. I know, but it's not his daughter. It's not his daughter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And not his sister. Biologically, not, not his, his daughter. Sister. And not his half-sister. Yeah, but still not his sister. His half-sister. Yes. Same mom. I know. St- still gross. vagina. Still fucking gross, but not quite the same. I mean, still a nightmare. Yes. Um, he did it, though. It's him. It was the white sow. <laughs> the white sow picked up a knife. It was Adso. Listen. <laughs> If this episode has established one thing, it's that there is a serial killer living on the ridge. Well, we know who it is. So you know who's the most likely murderer? (laughs) Jamie Fraser. The murderer. (laughs) That's who's the most likely. Like, if your list of suspects includes somebody who is like once a week wiping blood off his hands. It could be him. Maybe Occam's Razor. (laughs) Come on. Who do you think did it? Um, So we see that. We see a bunch of war stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. That's one thing I'm not super looking forward to this season is that I know where it's going to be a lot of Revolutionary War stuff, which I understand and I understand why it's going to be here, but it's also going to be very kind of like same, There same. are a couple of storylines that if they do, I'll be really looking forward to it. There is some batshit crazy stuff headed your way Ooh. Um, that you could not even imagine. You know, I like that. You are not, Julie, your head is going to pop right off. Is it as crazy as the magical hand job, the Lazarus hand job? Well different okay but same level of crazy in a specific sense yes it's not um sexual magic (laughs) well uh uh-oh it's uh it it, it is not potentially supernatural okay (laughs) it's not being saved from death by a hand job okay but it's pretty nuts okay um so that is coming your way uh and that is tied to the war stuff okay um is yeah george washington shit no okay but george washington actually george washington is loosely involved in that storyline oh my god okay very loosely um i i want lafayette to come in mm-hmm. um that's what i want i'm a, I'm a mixed bag mm-hmm. on the the war stuff i just feel like it's not gonna be as um weirdly entertaining is the gothic streak of last season being the, kind of trapped on the ridge like yeah you know, and the kind of witch story like I, that was just really COVID, cool it was terrible for the world obviously mm-hmm. like a a tragedy at the scale of which none of us can really even begin to comprehend for right. a very long time but um it, it has to be said that sometimes Terrible constraints push people to creative heights. And in this case, the limited scope of the last season of Outlander benefited it enormously. I do think it did too. It's the first time really, I think, since season one where it felt like the focus was that small. Mm -hmm. And and this show benefits from that. Because the the story is so vast. Diana Gabaldon is um is a bit of a wild card when it comes to plot. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like sometimes you're about to see some. Like you're there's a there's a magical hand job, like mm-hmm. wait, she's talking to the coconut, yeah. like that kind of right. Um, but she has created characters who have rich 
histories and they act the way that the story dictates that they do almost all the time. If someone is acting out of character, it is out of character. It's not lazy writing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that means that when when it's hot pest time, when the focus is more intimate, the story really comes to life yeah. because you, it's these people that you've lived with for all these seasons and who have this rich backstory that um, the actors have now been, I mean, they've all been playing these characters for years, years how intimately they must know that. Like how Katrina Balfe understands Claire Fraser. What a gift for an actor. Um, So the show, when it's smaller, benefits from that, which is part of why this episode worked. And I hope that even when we're in sprawling historical epic mode that we keep the scale really small. Mm -hmm. I hope it's lots of battlefield medicine shit. That keeps the scale small. Mm -hmm. Um, I hope we get lots of battlefield medicine. I hope... um, we get more lines like float like a butterfly thing. Like I would love Outlander to be funnier. Let Outlander be funny. It remains our plea. Mm -hmm. Those actors can be very funny. Like let Katrina Balfe be funny. Let Sam Huon be funny. Mm -hmm. For God's sake, let John Bell be funny. Oh yeah. I don't know if they're ever going to, he's all, Ian is already just a little bit naturally funny, but they've kind of taken that away from him in his uh, manhood. Well, because he is like his uncle becoming a serial killer. Yeah. You know what there's not enough of? Rollo. Where the fuck is Rollo? Where's Rollo and Adzo? This yeah. is a race. I mean, I know why Adzo's not there. Adzo, unless Adzo hid in Claire's skirt or something, and then meow. Can I have some Jenner? Um, <laughs> uh, that would be great, but but Rollo should be there. Rollo should have been with Ian, yes. He should have been. He would galloping along the horse. Come on, show me that. I mean, it's budget. Obviously, it's budget. I don't need to see a CGI wolf galloping no, alongside horses, but but it'd be cool if they did. Um, yeah. I think that's it. Let Outlander be funny. Did we see anything else in the previews that like stood out? Just to me, it was More only stuff. the Willy shit. Willy, it's. I mean, I'm excited to see that moment, mostly because you know what? Apparently, Sophie Skelton running into people unexpectedly, or make have Sophie Skelton playing Brianna when she runs into people unexpectedly is aces because mm-hmm. that. The scene with Jamie is also a really great right. scene. When he pees on himself a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Just dribble. <laughs> um, and this, the smile that you see in the trailer, I was like, oh, she is like having an experience. Um, so I'm really excited about that. So, but wait, does that mean that Jamie oh, knows? Face. Hmm? Does that mean that Willie knows? Or does Bree know? Ooh, okay, spicy, <laughs> spicy. Um, and I'm very excited about the return of David Barry. Yes, as always. We are now living once again in a universe where, albeit unlikely, it is possible that we could get a Lord John Gray Solves Crimes spinoff. Please? Like, let's do it. That man is very talented and very handsome. And very Let funny. him solve crimes. Yes. Let him solve crimes. Mm-hmm. Come on. Benjamin Franklin? He's got to be his bud. Oh my God, we're hanging out with Ben this week. Get ready. And he's uh, sunbathing nude in Arboretum. Yes. yes. Or a, I guess a greenhouse. That really happens. Yeah. That really happens. Um, well, Ben Franklin was America's number one freak. Yeah. First freak. Certified freak. Certified freak. Seven, Seven days, days a week. Days a week. <laughs> and he's just, you know, like writing things, drinking beer, just being a polymath out here naked. Yep. R- rocking the world, whatever. I'm cool. All right. Next week, coin face. Oh, thank God. Okay. Bye. Bye.
Julie. Yeah. You know what? You know what that just was? An amazing piece of content. It was so good. Do you ever think about how con content and content? Content, mm. content. Are you Deep content thought. with our content? Are we content with our content? I always, always. You know, we have monetized our friendship for you. You had better be fucking content. Fucking tune in, bitches. I can't wait till Outlander is done and I never see Julie again. <laughs> Thank you for listening. <laughs> all right, okay, here's, hit him with all the stuff. All right, here's my spiel now. You can find us on facebook.com slash podlandercast on Instagram at podlandercast. You can find all our shit there. You can also find us at podlanderpresents.com where you can find all sorts of information about all of our shows. There are so many. Like I had to send somebody a link to it today and I went and looked at it and I'm like, damn, we talked too much. That's true. If you like what you heard, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you're listening to this incredibly amazing content right now. Just look down. Where are you? Are you on a radio, your phone, whatever? Leave a review. We want to thank all of you for listening, but we especially want to thank our patrons. You can become a Patreon at patreon.com slash podlanderdrunkcast, where you can support the show, join the Slack, get early episode access, and all of our bonus content. Thanks to all of our patrons. You fucking rule. But especially thanks to the following beautiful people. Oh, some new names. Ready? Andy mm. Newell, Rachel Ravel, <laughs> Allison King, Doc JWS, I saw Goody Proctor with the Devil, Sydney Taylor, Maddie Perkins, Snazzy Nack, Lisa Brienne, Julia Gulia, Kathleen Martini, Lauren Tennant, Kelsey Camp, Emily Day, Betsy English, Kaylin Reddick, Jen Collins, Tina Burnett, Nicole Rodriguez, and Chrissy, Nicole Rodriguez, Kristen, Freckled Fury. Liz and Tinkerbell, Terry Welch, Rochelle Lefebvre, Amanda Smazza, Jerry Hertel, Amy Gusterson, Rachel Townsend, Kelly Mazella, Chantel Salters, Tara Lucchino, Viv Pickles, aka Laura, Mary of the Grapefruit, Jenna Bukowski, Ann Gibson, Ruth McCormick, Kara Marlowe, Trish McCurry, Julie DeToy, Jen Lynn, Kathy Bonneman, Kelly Bodden, God damn, Amanda Newton, and of course, Kiki, the wise. the wise. Our artwork is by Laura Barrios, aka Viv Pickles. Our social media and various other immensely important tasks is by Amelia Bazell, aka Ellen uh, Loose. The incredibly bad covers are all by her, too. Oh, so. yes, also. The glorious Thank covers you. are all her. Um, mm -hmm. Episodes are edited by Julie Starbird and produced by Julie Starbird and Alison Shoemaker. That is us. Um, and we do other shit, too. Because we don't have employees, folks. It's, it's no. us and Amelia. <laughs> I guess Amelia kind of counts, but not really. Yeah. So, so the point is, if you're a patron, thank you, because otherwise we would be overworked and broke, as opposed yeah. to overworked and just a little bit broke. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So th we thank you for not making us bankrupt ourselves for Outlander content slash Karen Perry content slash crimey content slash Austinian content slash Bridgertonian content. We will be back next week with another fine episode of whatever the fuck you just listened to. Bye. Bye. Hi, folks. Let me see if I can sum up Midnight Burger in about 25 seconds. Jesus Christ! It'll be fine. So this is how it ends. Eaten by wolves in space. Pardon me, Gloria. Might my husband and I have a word? The radio is talking to me. Really big monster. Zero irony. We're surrounded by cavemen. What the hell is that? Because you're having a cigarette?
In 415 million BC. Where are we? Space. Can you narrow that down? The bad part? Ava. Yeah, that didn't work at all. At the nexus of all things, there is a diner. Look for Midnight Burger on your favorite podcasting app or just go to weopenat6.com.